Welcome to Arbel Ministries podcast with Mark Whitehead. Today we're going to look at Numbers chapter 20. Before we begin, I want to remind you of something in Numbers 19. On our last podcast, we discussed it's re- it was really important for God to give Israel a ceremony to clean those who had come in contact with dead. Death is uh, constant in life. Everyone dies. So there was always a need for people who came in contact with the dead to have some sort of ceremony so that they could become ritually pure. Now, how did he provide the cleansing? He instructed them to sacrifice a red heifer. Now, as we reach Numbers 20 today, that ceremony will become very, very important. Because as we're going to see, two Israelite leaders will pass away. So let's start just in the very first verse of Numbers 20 together. Here's what it says. Then the sons of Israel, the whole congregation, came to the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed at Kadesh. Now Miriam died there and was buried there. So the the text says that Miriam died in the first month. Why is it important that she died in the first month? What else happened in the first month in Scripture? See, this is the same month that God delivered the people from Egypt. It was the month of the celebration of Passover and the, fe- and the festival of unleavened bread. And on this first month, instead of celebrating how God delivered them from Egypt, the Israelites found themselves back at Kadesh. Do you remember what happened at Kadesh in Numbers 13? We discussed this previously. The 12 spies went into the promised land and they returned after spending 40 days touring the land. And they told the people, We can't take this land. The people, they're too big. The cities, they're too well defensed. And so, because God did not, because the people did not trust God, God had them stay in the desert for 40 years. And as we reach Numbers chapter 20, the people are at the same place they rejected God's offer 40 years before. Kadesh. Now, the death of Miriam is a big deal. I want you to think about the life of Miriam with me. As a child, Miriam watched over her brother. His name was Moses. And as his mother hid him in the reeds at three months old, when Pharaoh's daughter found Moses, Miriam is the one that arranged his own mother to be the one to nurse him. We see that in Exodus 2. After the people crossed the Red Sea, do you remember what Miriam did? She got out her tambourine and she led the people in praise. It's Exodus 15. Miriam is described as a prophetess in Scripture. Now, that's not to say Miriam is perfect. We discussed back in Numbers 12 that Miriam spoke against Moses out of jealousy. See, God needed to teach Miriam a lesson. 
and he made her leprous. She had to live outside the camp for seven days, and it completely halted the journey of the Israelites. You know, we don't really read anything else about Miriam until her death. But I want you to look at verse 1 again with me. There's something odd about the death of this prophetess. See, it, it, after she died, it just says, and she was buried at Kadesh. There's no mention of a single person mourning the death of Miriam. That's really, really odd, especially for a leader of the people. We're going to see later in our podcast that her brother Aaron dies, and the people mourn his death for 30 days. Verse 29 of Numbers 20. So what happens next? Look at verse 2 with me. There was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. And, and, um, and Aaron. Now, just after Miriam's death, very next verse, it says there's no water for the people. My question to you, why is that the next verse after Miriam's death? Why did the water suddenly dry up? Why do they suddenly complain about not having water the moment Miriam dies? I want you to think about this. For 39 years, since the people were out at Mount Sinai, they have been in desert. There's not a single mention of them not having water those entire 39 years. And as soon as Miriam dies, the very next verse says there's no water. Maybe that's a coincidence. Maybe the water just suddenly ran out as soon as Miriam dies, and that's a huge coincidence. But maybe not. There's an ancient Jewish tradition that says that the Israelites brought a rock with them from Egypt after the Exodus. Anytime we read a story about Moses striking a rock and water gushing out, the tradition says it was the rock from Goshen. What's even more interesting about this tradition is that it says Miriam was responsible for this rock. Whether she was the one who carried it, whether she was the one whose idea it was to bring this rock out of Goshen, we don't know. But the tradition says Miriam was the one that's responsible for the rock. And, and isn't it interesting that there is no mention for the people needing water for 39 years in the desert, from Mount Sinai all the way until Miriam's death. And then as soon as she dies, there are three times that the Bible says the people are thirsty. We're going to see those over the course of this podcast and the next podcast. Now, maybe you think that tradition is crazy. Maybe you think, oh, there's no way that that's a true story. That's, that's, that's a fairy tale. Well, there are several verses in the Old Testament that seem to point out that Israel did have a rock during their journey. Look with me, Isaiah 
chapter 48. I want you to see Isaiah chapter 48. It's in verse 21. Here's what it says. They did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made the water flow out of the rock for them. He split the rock and the water gushed forth. Well, there's a couple others and and we're going to skip over those, but surely we don't see the same concept in the New Testament, right? Well, Paul seems to believe that Israel had a rock during their journey as well. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me read to you the first five verses of 1 Corinthians 10. Here's what it says. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them. And the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Paul says that a spiritual rock followed them in the desert. They drank from that rock. And then he says, you know what that rock was? That rock was Christ. That's an interesting tidbit that seems to point out that Paul believed that oral tradition that when the people left Egypt, they had a rock with them and it followed them. Verses three through five of Numbers 20 The people do what they're known for. They complain. They complain uh, uh, to Moses. They complain to Aaron. Why did you bring us out here? We, We could have just stayed in Egypt. And we've seen this over and over. Moses and Aaron went straight to the Lord as the people were questioning them. Now, what does God tell Moses to do? Look at verse eight, Numbers 20, verse eight. Here's what he says. Take the rod and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water from them out of the rock and let the congregation, their their beasts, drink. Moses was given three instructions. Don't miss these. Take the rod, the first one. Assemble the congregation, that's the second one and speak to the rock. See, God was was going to provide water from the rock. You know, there's another time God had told Moses to get water out of a rock for the people to drink when they were complaining. Very, very similar story. It was before they had made it to Mount Sinai. They were at Rephidim. It's in Exodus 17, if you want to look up the story. In that instance, what did God tell Moses to do to get water out of the rock? God told Moses to strike the rock with his rod. 
and water would come out. That's Exodus 17, verse 6. Is that what God told him to do in Numbers chapter 20? No. He told him to get the rod. He told him to assemble the congregation, but then he said, speak the rod. Look with me again, or look with me at verse 9. So Moses took the rod. Good job, Moses. You're starting out great from before the Lord, just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. Great job, Moses. You're getting it right. And he said to them, listen now, you rebels. But wait a minute, Moses. I don't think you were told to do that. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? We'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. But, but Moses starts out so well. He gets the rod from the Lord. Does, by the way, does that phrase ring a bell? See, this is the same rod that was placed before the Lord in number 17. The same rod that budded to show the people that Moses and Aaron were the leaders God had chosen. Moses assembles the people before the rock, just like God said. And then Moses begins to go rogue. Now listen with me. I'm going to read verse 10 again and also verse 11. Listen to what he does. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock, and he said to them, Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their beasts drank. Did God command Moses to address the people? No. And not only that, Moses calls the people rebels. You can tell Moses is angry. Some scholars think it's because they did not mourn his sister's death, like we discussed. And in almost every other case in Scripture, Moses runs to God in situations like this. The people complain, he runs to God. In this case, he lectures the people with bitterness in his heart. You can tell by his language. And look at what Moses says again. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? We? Really, Moses? What do you mean, we? I mean, are you putting yourself on the same playing field as God? Because it sure sounds like it. The text says Moses struck the rock twice with his rod. That wasn't what God told him to do. God said, speak to the rock. See, God is a shepherd. How does a shepherd lead? A shepherd leads by his voice. He may have a rod in his hand, but it's not to whack his sheep. So God brought his people in the desert for 40 years in the book of Numbers to learn how to hear their shepherd's voice. He was trying to get Egypt out of them. A shepherd does not lead by force. He carries a staff, but it's not to strike his flock. I want you to think about Moses' background. Where did Moses grow up? See, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. Pharaoh ruled 
with a stick. He ruled with power. He ruled with might. And when Moses became angry, he reverted back to those Egyptian roots, the things he witnessed in Pharaoh. And he became aggressive and he struck the rock. And not only did he strike it, understand, he struck it twice. He was angry. Also understand, way back in Exodus 17, that's how he produced water for the people then. That was God's command back in Exodus 17, strike the rock, and that's when water flowed. But then he only struck it once. This time, he struck the rock twice. Now I want to pause right here for just a moment. I want you to think about the difference between Exodus 17 and Numbers 20, these two stories of Moses striking the rock. See, in both cases, the people were wanting water. In both cases, God told Moses to take his rod. The difference is that in Exodus 17, he was to strike the rock. In Numbers 20, he was to speak to the rock. See, I'm... Do you understand the importance of getting fresh instructions from the Lord day by day by day? Just because he told you to do something a certain way yesterday doesn't mean he wants you to do it the same way forever. Just because he instructed your church to have a specific ministry last year doesn't mean he will definitely continue the same ministry this year. We are to be people who actively listen to our shepherd's voice and allow him to call the shots. Just because your shepherd led you to one field yesterday doesn't mean he will lead you to the same field today. Understand that. You have to trust him. You have to allow him to show you what he wants from you in each moment. Don't strike the rock today because he told you to strike the rock yesterday. Obey his instruction to speak to the rock today. Let's keep going in our story in Numbers 20. As we get to verse 12, God's not happy with Moses' disobedience. You did not believe me. You did not treat me as holy, God is saying. Because of this, Moses and Aaron would not lead the people into the promised land. They would have to spend the rest of their lives in the desert. I can only imagine how Moses, Moses must have felt as God delivered the punishing consequences to his action. Someone else would have to finish the job that Moses started. Someone else would have to lead the people into the promised land. Next, Moses wants to lead the people through the territory of Edom. As they begin to make their way towards the promised land. So, so they're still on their journey. There's the quickest way to get to where they're wanting to go is through the land of the Edomites. You would have thought it would have been no problem for Israel to pass through Edom. Why? The nation of Israel 
was a brother to the nation of Edom. Jacob, also known as Israel, was the brother of Esau, also known as Edom. Moses simply asked for Israel to pass through Edom. He would not even allow his animals to drink any of their water. He just wanted to pass through. But the Edomites refused. So they would have to travel the long way around Edom to get to the promised land. Look with me at verses 23 to 26. Here's what it says. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron at Mount Hor by the border of the land of Edom, saying, Aaron will be gathered to his people, for he shall not enter the land which I have given to the sons of Israel, because you rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. Take Aaron and his son Eleazar and bring them up to Mount Hor and strip Aaron of his garments and put them on his son Eleazar. So Aaron will be gathered to his people and will die there. Just like Moses, Aaron would not enter the promised land because of his disobedience. So God instructs Moses to take Aaron up to Mount Hor and to perform this ceremony that is rich in symbolism. It says Moses was to strip Aaron of his garments and put them on his son Eleazar. That's verse 26. But it's this amazing picture of Aaron, Aaron passing on a legacy for his son Eleazar to walk in. See, Eleazar would be the one who gets to experience the land which his daddy had spent so many years dreaming about. Eleazar would be the one to take the family mantle and continue the journey. It was up to Eleazar to carry on the family tradition of following God. You know, as I sit and I think about my life, one thing is evident. What I deposit into my kids is extremely important. See, we pass things down to our children, right? I mean, I remember going to my granny's house when I was little. She lived in Nashville. Um, and she was a huge, huge fan of the Atlanta Braves. She never missed a game. I mean, she, she would turn on a TBS every single day to watch the, her Braves play. Do you know who my favorite baseball team is today? The Atlanta Braves. See, I'm a fan of the Braves because of the family tradition passed down from my granny. It was important to her. It was important to my dad. And now it's important to me. And I already see, especially in my son, you ask him who his favorite team is, he'll tell you, the Atlanta Braves. We pass down things that are important to us. So my question today is what are the things that I'm passing down to my children? Do, do they see that I have a passion for Jesus Christ? When I'm gone, will they continue to run hard after my Savior because of the family tradition they have seen in me? I, I know there are other things that they're already catching. That I see them being passionate about because I'm passionate about them. My prayer is, they'll be passionate about Jesus because that 
is what I model. That is what I live out in front of their very eyes. After these garments were put on Eleazar, Aaron dies. A man that God had used mightily was gone. He was the first high priest of Israel. He was the man who had been Moses' mouthpiece to Pharaoh. He was a man that that God had used to bring upon multiple plagues in Egypt. He He was the man who had stood in the gap on behalf of Israel as God wanted to smite his people in number 16. Was he perfect? No. See, he also oversaw the worship of the golden calf in Exodus 32. He challenged Moses' authority with with his sister Miriam in Numbers 12. We already mentioned that. He rebelled with Moses as he struck the rock in this very chapter. Was Moses the perfect high priest? Absolutely not. But he pointed us to the one to come who would be our perfect high priest. Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We don't have to rely on a fallible high priest like like Aaron to pay for our sin. See, God sent Jesus, and he is our high priest. He is perfect, and he can sympathize with us no matter what we're going through. He has gone through it too. So it says you can approach your high priest knowing that he is on your side. As we finish this podcast, I, I want you to, I want to challenge you not to be stuck at Kadesh. See, Israel reached Kadesh and then they disobeyed the Lord. They hiked in the desert for 40 years. They made no progress in their journey. They were stuck because of their disobedience. You know, this can happen in our churches. We can listen to the Lord. We can obey his instructions and then get stuck trying to obey what he told us to do yesterday rather than get our instructions for today. We've got to learn to get our daily bread from our shepherd. And not only can this happen in our churches, this can happen in each of our lives. God may have used you mightily in the past. but Maybe you think, I haven't seen him use me in a while. Maybe your testimony comes from things he did through you years ago. Listen. God wants you to use you now. He isn't finished with you. But you have to be willing to listen to his voice day by day. And you have to be willing to live out the instructions he gives you day by day. So my question, as we finish Numbers 20, are you willing? wants to use you, are you willing to be used? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I want to keep inviting you into this story. If you're interested in coming to Israel with me so that some of these texts can be lived out before your very eyes, I promise you will will never 
read the Bible the same again. Reach out to me. Ministries at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ministries. I'd love to interact. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. I'll see you next time.